It's time for Stoking the Fire. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! So, what are you trying to say? And here we go. Welcome on into Stoking the Fire. I am your host, Seth Stokes. Give me a follow on Twitter at Seth Stokes. W-O-R-D. Uh, appreciate everybody for tuning into the show. You can get all the audio-only versions on all the major pl- podcast platforms. And now, thanks to Pronk Studios, uh, you can watch me and all my bearded glory ramble on about nothing for uh, an indiscriminate amount of time. Um, if you end up liking what you hear, then give the show a follow and subscribe. Rate it five stars, I hope, of course. And finally, check out the show's Facebook page at Stoking the Fire. Uh, This week, I've got headphones on, which means there is a guest on the line, and we're going to dive right into the meat and potatoes of this show today. Uh, Allow me to introduce uh, ESPN college football reporter that specializes in the SEC, Chris Lowe. Chris, buddy, how are you doing in the crazy thing that is the world today? I'm doing great. I guess like everybody else, just trying to navigate through and adjust and uh, understand that things aren't going to be normal as we know they're doing normal for a while so you know you as as a sports writer in a world where sports aren't actively going on from an on the field standpoint like what what are you filling your time with well you got to be creative try to generate content a lot of uh, look back at games and players and ears you know trying to recreate some special times in the sport and, and then come up with things that look ahead a little bit. And I think some of that's what we try to do at ESPN is, is reach out to coaches and former players and administrators. And, uh, and in addition to trying to get a, a handle on what, uh, what's going to happen, you know, nobody knows, but how, how are coaches and ADs and everybody trying to manage this whole process when we don't know what the uh, what the end game is going to be. Now, one thing the SEC has done, and you wrote about this uh, a day or so ago um, on ESPN.com, is they're going to allow virtual meetings with the players, something they had decided they didn't want to do a while back because of a potential competitive advantage. Now they're going to allow coaches to meet virtually with players, um, how big of a step forward is that in, in terms of dealing with what's going on and what's the next step from there? You know what it is more than anything is it allows coaches to just sort of keep tabs on their players, to engage with them a little bit. It's two hours a week, and everybody's spread out. I mean, and, and you take SEC schools, for instance. I mean, you got places like LSU, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama. they got players – from all over the country. And this way you can meet with them, sort of find out what they're doing. You can't leave workouts. You can't have virtual practices where you're having coaches, you know, on Zoom that are working players out. But you at least can do some instructions, some chalk talks and things to sort of keep them up to up to speed a little bit. And it's something. It's better than not being able to contact them at all other than just over the phone. No, that's very, very true. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are some programs and teams that, um, while they are going to be affected negatively by this, it may not be as bad as others. Are there some teams in the SEC that, you know, not having a, a spring practice period and having that 
almost daily contact uh, face-to-face with the team that it's going to hurt more than others? You know, I don't know that anybody's at more of a, an advantage over the other in the SEC. Now, I know outside the SEC, Clemson, for instance, had nine spring practices. That's a huge advantage to, to have had nine, nine of your spring practices, especially for some of the younger guys and you know, redshirt freshmen that you were counting on, maybe guys who hadn't played a lot last year. But I would say anybody that's transitioning in a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback, uh, is hopeful that a quarterback that maybe just came onto campus might be able to play. Like at Tennessee, you got Harrison Bailey, for instance, that you haven't had a spring practice. They haven't had a chance to throw with the receivers. They haven't a chance to form any continuity or chemistry uh, with the receivers. I mean, in, anybody that's going to have – a new quarterback, a new play caller on either side of the football, I think that makes it even more challenging. Now, I know you've been in contact with the various coaches and some other officials around the league. Uh, what's the thought moving forward? Is there true fear that a season may not take place? Like, How are the coaches feeling right now? They don't know. They, they know that it's uh, everything's up in the air. I don't think you're going to see students back on campus, period. Athletes, just regular students, until this summer at the earliest, whether that's June or or what have you. And if you look at it from a football perspective, well, so let's say that players are allowed to come back in July. Well, is there enough time to get ready to play a season or start a season, I should probably say, a month later? You know, whenever no one's done anything for seven or eight months, you haven't had any contact, no football, physical activity. You haven't had your team together. Think about it. You, you would not have had your team together really from a football sense in seven or eight months. So, yeah, I think there's some concern, but nobody knows. Nobody knows right now what's going to happen. And I think it's all up to the, the medical people to let all of us know when it's going to be safe to gather again. Yeah, that's that's very true, and and that's that's the big thing is what once they are able to gather again, like what constitute enough time to be able to dive into a season if there is even enough time to dive into a season this fall. And um, I know some people might think that that's a little bit of fear mongering, but honestly, I I believe that that's a a true possibility that there may not be a twenty twenty college football season with all of this. Well, at the very least, it may be delayed. Uh, is there going to be a season that kicks off the 1st of September? I think a lot of it depends on that timetable, Seth. When when, when can you get the players back on campus? Let, mm-hmm. Let's say, for instance, that schools, and I'm already starting to hear some of this is happening, I don't know if it's been announced, that schools are going to suspend uh, summer uh, summer classes, summer sessions at school. Wow. And, and there's different sessions. You know, obviously there, some schools have two, three sessions at summer school, but you know good and well if, if students aren't going to be allowed on campus in May or June, they're not going to have football players on campus to come work out and practice. No. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a legitimate question whether or not the season will start on time. But let, let's say they can come back in July. I know I'm talking to Nick Saban and David Cutcliffe and some other guys, Jimbo Fisher. They'd like to see maybe 10, 12, 15 days of OTAs like they have in the pros to, to give the kids a taste of it, to have a, a sort of a quasi spring practice 
because just about everybody missed spring practice. And you do that, say, in late June or July. And then give them more time to go through his preseason practice instead of starting, say, in August, maybe starting late July. And do some things to get your bodies ready physically because football is a sport by nature that, as I said earlier, it's just hard to drop back in after taking seven, eight months off without any contact and right. expect to be ready to play a game. I think those are all, these are all factors and unknowns that none of us know right now. And, and again, I think it all gets back to when can the, when can you get the kids back on campus and when can you start practicing again and getting into football shape? So, you know, with all those unknowns, I mean, it's really hard to, to figure out, hey, this is going to happen at this date. This is going to happen at another date. So, like you said, you just got to be creative in filling the content and I guess find some other things to do, man. What, what has been – I guess through all this quarantining so far, and I know you're there in, in Knoxville and East Tennessee, and um, like the rest of the country, most things are, are, are shut down or limited in their availabilities. So what, what has been the one thing you've kind of uh, learned um, in this couple of weeks of, of a shutdown? You know, as crazy as it sounds that we can do without the things that we thought were necessities, you know, we we all make our livelihood. Of course, we do, but the two of us and, and sports and as hard as it is not to have live sports, you know, life goes on. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you spend time with family, you get outside, you walk, you do things that maybe you take for granted. You check on people, you call people to make sure everybody's okay. And, and there's probably more community. I think there's probably more communication now where you're actually talking to people on the phone than we've had in a long time. And, um, you know, those are things that I, I know I've reached out to several people, me, media colleagues, coaches, assistant coaches, people on and on medical staff that I've gotten to know over the years just to sort of check on them and to see what they're doing, how they're navigating, how they're managing things. Um, and I think that's that's probably what I've found more than anything is we're all sort of in the same boat. Nobody is any better than anybody else. Now, some parts of the country have been hit harder than others. Mm-hmm. The South hasn't really taken on the chin like they have in New York City and some of the more heavily populated areas. But uh, we're all, to some degree, in the same boat. No, you're absolutely right about that. I know my family's uh, grown a lot closer um, in this time, especially just just in the house itself. With uh, make you know, you don't have a choice. It's you're, you're indoors, so there's more uh, more family game nights and and stuff like that, and just you know really reconnection uh going on and it's in that way it's been a blessing i do know i will never take for granted again the fact that uh when this is not going on you can just go to a restaurant and have a sit-down meal <laughs> i kind of miss doing that and and seeing some some friends and stuff but it's it's been nice in a way to to reconnect and like you said life does go on when live sports aren't happening uh, i want to say it might have been colin coward used to say a lot to to like sports and love life. And I think we're all kind of getting a taste of what that means to, to like sports and, and miss it and it not be there when you want it, but to really embrace and, and enjoy life um, away from that arena. And Chris, I really appreciate you taking some time to uh, talk with us today. And uh, you know, where can people find uh, your work and, and find you on all the social medias? Well, obviously, ESPN.com, the college football page. We're going to have a few things up here in the next week or so. Just looking back at some things in, in college football, sort of the what-ifs, coaches, seasons, 
that type of thing. And uh, just try to get creative, as I said earlier, because <laughs> when we don't have live sports, it's in our business, you know, that's, that's what's, those are the meat and potatoes. But you know what I think, what this does for me, though, is so much is on TV now, every game. And maybe we take for granted getting to see so many games. And as a kid who grew up in the 70s when very few games were on TV, you listen to all of them on the radio. I think this has made us realize even more that sports heal in a lot of ways. Mm, yes. They heal us as, as, as people, as society. Uh, and, and sometimes there is division among rival fan bases. But in a lot of ways, when you see kids come together and play and accomplish and achieve, uh, it, it, there's a healing element there. And I think the two the, the, the two groups I think about, I mean, we, we all want to see sports again. We all want to see Major League Baseball. I found myself over and over again over the last three or four weeks, think about these kids in high school that are seniors, for instance, who have worked since they were 12, 13 years old to get a chance to play their senior year in baseball or softball or what have you. And that's all been flushed right now. And they're not going to have a chance to go back and relive that. Those are the kids right now from a sports perspective that I really feel the worst for. No, no, no doubt about that. And, and there's no doubt that recruiting may have changed a little bit. They're not getting a chance to go out there in the spring and, and show off their talents. And like you said, what they've worked for and hopefully this all gets back to normal and they'll be able to reclaim some of that in some way, shape or form at some point. Um, before we get you out of there, one, one last thing I know, like for the sec, the next big thing would be, you know, their their spring meetings, and then that's followed by uh, SEC Media Days. Um, and I think this year it's down in Atlanta. Have you heard of, of that being – ended up being a, a virtual thing coming uh, uh, here in the next month or so, and it just be all done virtually? Are they just going to cancel them? Like, what, what along those lines have you heard? Well, the, the spring meetings are in late May, early June. Mm-hmm. So I bet you that you're not going to see that attended – like we would normally. Maybe there will be some type of conference call, video conference, Zoom, where they meet like that. Uh, as far as the media days, that's what uh, usually what early to mid-July. Yes, sir. So probably still a little bit early to make a call on that. We'll see where we are. Again, if, I, I, here's the gauge to me. When do schools and campuses start opening up? When are kids allowed to come back on campus and go to school and professors and faculty? And I think once you start to see that, then I think everything will start opening up as far as the sports world as we know it from a collegiate standpoint. I agree, Chris. I agree. And, again, thank you so much at CeeLo on Twitter. And, uh, Chris, I'll, I'll, I'll be talking to you soon, buddy. I hope uh, you stay safe, stay well, and tell everybody in Knoxville I said, hey, I'll do it. You guys take care. It's good to be with you. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you so much. That was Chris Lowe from ESPN joining Stoke in the Fire, and, and I do appreciate him taking some time to hop on the show with us, man. There's just, you know, so much has changed over the course of the past couple of weeks. It's really insane to think about, uh, you know, what was supposed to have been the NCAA tournament uh, seems like so long ago that it was canceled, and that was only – a couple of weeks ago, um, in my day-to-day job, I've been working from home for two weeks. I think this may be the start of my, my third week doing it, and it seems like forever because 
you're looking at the exact same space every day. You're not moving in and out. And I tell you what, that can get to you a little bit. So I think without further ado, you know, let's calm the nerves a little bit. It's time for beer of the show. We're going to pop a top on the Sea of Liberty IPA by 13 Stripes Brewery, which is a local brewery right downtown, right down the road uh, in Taylor, South Carolina. Look, right now, wherever you are, whether you're in South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, wherever you are, it is extremely important to support local businesses. No, they're not advertising here on the show, uh, at least not yet. Hopefully, we can work something out at some point down the road, but it doesn't matter. You want the local businesses to thrive and to survive in this time of uncertainty, and they're the ones getting hit the hardest. Your big box stores, they're going to be fine. They may have to lay off a couple of people here and there, but in the grand scheme of things, they're going to be fine. It's your local businesses that really need your support, and people like the guys at 13 Stripes, you know, they do a great job here in the upstate. And, you know, I wanted to, to not that they need any extra pump up because they're a pretty big deal here, but they're local and their their tap room's not open. People can't just come hang out and, and have a couple of beers. You got to, it's curbside service essentially place an order and then go pick it up. So, uh, you know, just want to give them some love and the description of this sea of Liberty IPA on the untapped app is an unfiltered hoppy brew, uh, willed with Simcoe and Idaho seven hops and they have a quote from Thomas Jefferson that's one thing 13 Stripes does with all their beers. They liken the names to a quote from uh, a famous uh, person in, in political history in the country. And this one's from Thomas Jefferson. It says, the boisterous sea of liberty is never without a wave. So uh, with that, I say cheers and, and let's let's fire this up and see what it's all about. That's good. That is good. That hits the spot right there. I don't think I've ever had a bad brew from 13 Stripes. Sea of Liberty is a fantastic IPA. It's got uh it's a it's unfiltered. There's a little there's a little fruity note to it that's really really nice that's kind of hitting after the fact. It is hoppy, but it's not uh bitter smack you in the face hoppy. It's real smooth. Uh this is it is delicious like i i am enjoying this it's 6.7 percent uh alcohol by volume it's one pint can and one thing that's awesome and i like this about a lot of local breweries and stuff but 13 stripes is is exceptional in this way and my producer john and i were talking about this before the show that their uh their artwork on their cans i don't know if you can really see it from here but it's it's beautiful and all of their artwork um, for their different beers is like that. It's it's fantastic. So, you know, cheers to 13 Stripes and uh, for making yet again another phenomenal uh, offering. And it is really good. So, without uh, a lot of sports going on, you know, there, it's, there's been a lot of time to dive into other things. And this is... A period in life where I'm very glad that I have uh, a diverse uh, interest portfolio, so to speak. I get into a lot of different uh, hobbies and interests. Uh, I love piddling with cars. I love movies and, and books and music and video games and just just sitting and, and, and being quiet and just enjoying 
uh, everything, just soaking in life. And one of the things from a, a television standpoint that I've really gotten to enjoy is uh, the the Tiger King documentary on Netflix. Now, this is not the first time you're going to hear about it, nor will it be the last, but my goodness, it is outstanding. Standing. It has taken the world by storm. Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach calls it uh, Quentin Tarantino on steroids. It's it is ridiculous. Um, I think that's a pretty apt description of the documentary. So if you haven't seen it, uh, you really really should watch it. Uh, it. It sheds a revealing light uh, on a terrible industry that essentially takes exotic animals out of their natural habitat. Um, they breed tigers in captivity, uh, things of that nature, and they, they put these animals in situations where they aren't truly cared for properly, and they're being looked after by people who really don't have any business looking over or looking after an animal of that magnitude, and these guys are, are making a ton of money doing this. I That's the ugly side of the documentary, is you do see that the animals are not well cared for. And I know there's a lot of, not a lot, but there is a, a, a voice on Twitter that has been talking about, oh, you shouldn't be enjoying, you know, Tiger King on Netflix because, you know, of the abuse these people are, are you know, the abuse they're showing towards the animals and things of that nature. Well, really, I think you should watch it to become more aware and to get a firsthand look at what's been going on with these animals. Now, some people who haven't seen it think that they're uh, aggrandizing the lives of the individuals involved when, in fact, you realize they're showing just how dumb and foolish and ridiculous these characters are. And I call them characters even though it's real life because their lives are so outlandish. I don't think you could write fiction any crazier than the way these people are. It's I, the words really escape me. You can't look away. Like you hear stories about people. This like, we'll take this Joe Exotic guy for example. The the main character in this, he is uh, an Oklahoma guy. Uh, you, you look at him, you think, okay, he's got a mullet, but it's dyed blonde. He's gay. He's a homosexual cowboy essentially with two husbands. Um, that runs an exotic animal farm in the middle of BFE, Oklahoma. <laughs> what? That is something right out of of a story. That's not supposed to be real life, yet here it is, real life. Then you have another guy, Doc Annell, who, oddly enough, ran a similar type of zoo out of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you dive into what he's about, and he essentially has a harem of young women that follow him like a cult leader that have become his wives or girlfriends or whatever. And they they come into his, his service and almost his ownership um, as young, unattached ladies that are just trying to get a start in life, and he hooks them. I don't know how, but he does. And then there's a lady, and I'm sure you've heard the name, Carol Baskin, down in Florida that claims to be protecting and, and providing a sanctuary, yet still making a profit off of the animals. And she's just essentially trying to take her competition to court and shut them down with the law just to clear them out. She's doing the same thing they are. 
except she's not doing it when they're cubs. She's taking in older exotic animals and essentially keeping them until they pass. She's a hypocrite. This show, you can't look away. I started it late one night with the wife, and we're like, well, we'll just check this, out. check this out. A lot of people on social media are talking about it. Seems to be highly entertaining. We'll watch an episode, give it a shot. Four episodes later, we're like, holy crap, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. We've got to get some sleep. We've got stuff to do tomorrow. Like, it is that interesting. You lose track of time. You, you can't look away. You can't turn it off. It's you're just your jaw is on the floor. It's it's almost unbelievable, yet it is real life. I'm telling you, it's a 10 out of 10. It is much must watch television. I, I thank goodness they released this documentary because without sports, people would be losing their minds. This gives them a little bit of an outlet. It's seven episodes long, gives them a little bit of an outlet, but I will say it harkens back to. You know, uh, a few years ago when I want to say it's called The Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia was released. Uh, I want to say it was originally released on Netflix. I could be wrong about that. Uh, now it's on Amazon Prime. Um, Johnny Knoxville was involved in it. Hank Williams III is in it. Uh, and it follows a family from West Virginia. And I know a lot of people have probably already seen it, so I'm not telling you anything new. But if you've seen that, you'll love Tiger King. And if you love Tiger King, you'll probably get a kick out of that documentary as well. Now, it's not a, like an episodic kind of thing. It's one two-hour long, I want to say, essentially a movie, a two-hour long documentary of following these people for a year. And whew, they're out there, man. They are out there. It's, it's insane. But you know what's crazy is I know people that are similar to that. If you've grown up in the rural South at all, you have met someone like one of these individuals. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know where people find people like this. I don't, I don't know how you hear about it and then say, you know what, that's going to make interesting television. Let's get the camera crew and go follow these people if they say it's okay. And of course, you know, people like that, not to judge, but they're going to love getting their story out there. They're going to love being the center of attention. And we can't get enough of it. And I say we, like as a society, it's why they continue to get made. It's a funny study to kind of watch the outlandish nature of some shows and some people who they're just being themselves, and it's astounding, and how we crave that. We crave to be witness to, maybe not to be a part of in person, but to be a party to to watch, to be a fly on the wall. And it, it's insane. Now, I am excited. I really I really miss baseball. So the things I've kind of been doing in my time in quarantine is, uh, you know, getting back to piddling with cars. I love working on cars. I've, I've mentioned that before. And uh, I've gotten a couple of trucks that I'm going to try to flip. And it, they've been fun projects to to keep my mind off of the – I guess just being stuck in the house and you know, it's, it's nice to work with your hands and then we have more family game nights, a lot of board games. We got to switch, uh, introduce the kids to smash brothers and 
they're uh, they're realizing they've got a long way to go before they're up to Stepdaddy Stokes' level in that game. But it's been fun, you know, watching them get into it and Mario Kart and stuff like that. So getting some video game time in, which is always good. Um, also spending a lot of time just staring longingly at a turned off TV, wishing I could watch my Braves play. This was going to be a really good season for them, and right now it's not happening. And you know, this is more of an SEC football kind of show, but I'm going to talk some Braves baseball once baseball season starts, if it does. That's as far-reaching as this thing is. Yeah, we're not, we don't have spring football right now. They canceled basketball, and the NCAA uh, ruled recently that they're not going to give seniors in winter sports the opportunity to come back um, and, and – and get one more year of eligibility. They said no. They're doing it for the the spring sports, which is great. But like your seniors in basketball, of course, we don't know how many would have actually taken them up on that. I mean, you've got the NBA draft, and a lot of those guys are going to get drafted, and they're going to make rosters. Why not go ahead and get get into the professional ranks and get paid? I'm sure there are several guys that would have come back, but in the long run, most people wouldn't. But still, the fact that the NCAA didn't do this, it's weird. I mean, I, I, to an extent, I understand why. Because what in the world do you do with scholarship limits? What, how does that affect incoming freshmen who have already signed or are going to sign or are supposed to come in recruiting in the future? It would have been messy had they said, yeah, let's, let's do that. But, I mean, I don't know. It just sucks. This whole thing sucks. There's not a playbook for this. Everybody's figuring this out as they go. So to, to judge would be unfair. You know, I, I, I'll i be hard on the NCAA a lot. But for this one, I can't really harp on them too much because it would be muddy, it would be messy, and which no one knows. No one knows what to do. No one knows how long this is going to last. We're all just in this figuring it out as we go. All we can do is be patient, um, fill our time with with activities we enjoy, uh, find new hobbies, get to know each other and our families better, um, and just, you know, just, just enjoy life as we can. Take the hand we're dealt and make the best of it. I am excited about getting uh, getting into Ozark Season 3 on Netflix. Uh, that's one of the best shows um, that Netflix has ever put out. And Season 3, uh, it's out now, and I will be starting that at some point this week, and I can't wait. Uh, one of Jason Bateman's best acting jobs. He's underrated, in my opinion, as an actor. He can do the serious stuff, like in Ozark. He can be hilarious. Like, he's got a good bit of range. I don't think he's appreciated enough, but uh, I, I like his work, and I can't wait to watch Ozark. Um, I want to know what you guys are doing to keep yourselves entertained during quarantine. I'm going to throw that out a little bit later on the Facebook page uh, at Stoking the Fire as well as uh, on Twitter at Seth Stokes, W-O-R-D. So be looking for that question coming out there. I want to know what all of y'all are doing to keep yourselves entertained. What are some new hobbies that you've come up with um, that you've gotten into now that you have time? That's the crazy thing is, uh, you know, the wife's kind of getting into doing some DIY projects. She went to one of the big box home improvement stores um, to pick up some supplies, and she said it was packed. And it's because people are, they've got time on their hands now. They can, the honey-do lists are probably shrinking across the nation. (laughs) Uh, Things are getting done at home. 
things that were broken are getting fixed, or the attempt at least is being made. What's insane is um, an industry that you didn't really think about with all this coronavirus hitting hard until you started seeing what they're having to do with no crowds, and that's the world of pro wrestling. Now, you've heard me talk pro wrestling on the show a couple of times. Um, So the WWE and AEW um, as well are still trying to go out there and do their thing every Monday, Wednesday, Friday night in front of nobody. And could football be played in front of a, 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 you know, in a crowdless stadium with nobody but the support staff and the players and the coaches and the TV and it work? Yeah, sure. But pro wrestling is a different arena. They depend on the crowd for energy. They depend uh, on on that reaction when they're doing an interview, cutting a promo in the middle of a match. Like you watch a, a pro wrestling match from in front of a crowd, and it's a boring match, and the fans are just sitting on their hands. It's brutal. And then to do that with nobody in the arena, not a sound, it's like watching a dress rehearsal for a concert where they're just tuning their instruments or or not even like or like like if it's a you know a, a pop group that doesn't play an instrument, you're just watching them do their choreography. They're practicing is what it's like. And then to, to see the interviews being done and the promos being cut with no crowd reaction, it's it's brutal. And now the WWE has WrestleMania coming up this weekend. Uh, they're doing everything they can to garner interest. But it's just not happening. I don't think anybody is excited about this. So instead of it being one night, they're spreading it out Saturday and Sunday. They've pulled in Rob Gronkowski, former Patriot tight end, to host both nights. There's a lot of matches that are compelling, but they're going to be doing it. Some are already pre-recorded, I think, and and the ones that are going to be live, they're doing it in front of nobody. It kills the the emotion. It's WrestleMania. It's their Super Bowl. It's supposed to be just just excitement from start to finish. It's the biggest pay-per-view of the year, and no one's going to want to sit live, and there's not going to be any energy, and it's just weird and then in one of the matches you've got we're supposed to have bill goldberg defending his universal championship against roman reigns but roman reigns battled leukemia and so he's a you know uh, immunocompromised and so he dropped out so now they're gonna fill his spot with somebody i no one knows who it's weird and i gotta say kudos to those companies for keeping their guys active trying to make this work and, and navigating this as best they can. They shut down the XFL. They didn't have a choice, which is owned by Vince McMahon, who also runs the WWE. But it's crazy times that we live in. It's it's so odd. I'm hoping everybody is staying safe and making the most of it. And I know for the introverts out there, you're probably really cool with what's going on from a, a self-isolation standpoint. But people like me and and other people I know that like to get out and be social. Like, I'm cool with chilling at the house for a while. That's fine. You know, taking some time to rest, recharge the batteries, time to myself. I like that. But then I 
like going to work, going to an actual business and interacting with other human beings outside of the walls of my own home, um, getting that reprieve, just getting human interaction is so underrated and underappreciated that I think this is really bringing people back to the realization that life is fleeting and you can't take anything in it for granted. I think people are going to have a greater appreciation for being able to go out and see their friends and and hang out with their fellow man uh, once this is all said and done. I think people are going to come out for the better with a greater appreciation of just life. The things we know it aren't always guaranteed tomorrow. Enjoy what you have while you have it. Appreciate the things that you have. Because as we know now, simple things like going to a movie, going to a, you know, a single A baseball game at your in your, at your local, you know, stadium. Going to get some ice cream, going to a restaurant, some chips and salsa. You can go to the store and make it yourself now. You can watch a movie on Netflix, Disney Plus. But you can't go enjoy it with friends in person. Digital contact I'm glad that we're living in an age of technology to where we can connect virtually, but it's not the same. It's it's not the same. And now that we have to do it that way, and the option to meet in person really isn't there as much as it was, I think we're going to come out of this maybe a, a little less dependent on technology from a communication standpoint. Um, bear, bear with me for a second as I, as I find the words for this. I think when this is all said and done, yes, we're, we're using technology to communicate now because we have to. We're finding new ways to do it. I think businesses are forever going to be changed. But I do think that face-to-face human interaction that we were already losing by choice has now been taken away by force. And when this is all said and done, we're going to flock back to that. We're still going to have social media. We're still going to communicate digitally. But I think there's going to be a greater push of gathering, of togetherness, not just online but in person, and kind of get back to that real true community feel. At least that's my hope, and I do think that will happen. Um, this is a sports-heavy show. I do thank Chris Lowe for taking some time to to talk what he what he can about what's going on in the SEC and dealing with this pandemic that is COVID-19. Um, a lot has changed for, for everybody, and we're all doing the best we can. We're all making it work for, for us, and I uh, hope you guys are doing the same. Stay safe. Stay healthy out there. Support your local businesses. Support your local breweries. Um, Think local. Think if you were a business owner, how would you want people to, you know, what would you want to do in a time like this and and do that thing for others? Um, Can't wait to see you guys in a couple of weeks. Thank you for everybody who's tuned in. And uh, this is Stoking the Fire. If you have any questions, get at me on Twitter at Seth Stokes WRD. Questions, comments, criticisms, you name it, I'm here for it. You can also email the show. Um, stokingthefirepod at gmail.com I want to hear from everybody discourse is a beautiful thing and I welcome it and we'll see you next time